Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamline, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I, again, are committed to bring you the headlines with the silver lining, substance seasoned with salt. And boy, are we going to deliver on that today. Of course, we do every weekend because there's simply just too much news to talk about. And it is news you can use. And one of the headlines that has remained a headline uh, intermittently, let's say, over the course of the last several months has been New York Governor Cuomo. Now, we remember last year, we talked about uh, how famous had become, how he was sort of the, the face of the COVID pandemic in terms of information. Remember, almost every day, we were all in front of our television sets watching his news conferences. Sometimes he had Dr. Fauci on one side and another medical professional on the other. And there was even talk of him running for president. He was so popular. Fast forward to an allegation made against him for sexual harassment. Now, you know, Me Too has to start with me first. So there was an accuser, a single accuser that came forward and then inspired, encouraged, empowered other women to come forward simply by virtue of setting an example. Well, this week we learned that the the state attorney general's investigation is now complete, that 165 page report has now identified 11 victims and more than that. This is something that has spanned months. They've been looking into talking to people, looking at documents, really delving into the type of a workplace culture that existed around the governor. And now we have his political future, his civil suit future, and even potentially his his future in terms of criminal prosecution all up in the air. One of the things that we get asked the most frequently, Larry, you and I both, because we're both lawyers, is, what happens next and why does it take so long when you're talking about this kind of an investigation? I mean, after all, everybody knows justice delayed is justice denied. Is there still a way to maintain a measure of justice for some of these victims, uh, many of whom were reluctant to come forward for the same reasons many sexual harassment victims are reluctant to come forward? What do you think this all says, spells out? For Governor Cuomo's political future, given his resistance to even considering stepping down? I think that um, they did have to take their time to investigate this, and it took a, a brave woman to come forward, and then other people, other women joined in uh, because the first person uh, came forward. So, But I, I do think that uh, that Basically, I think in the New York Assembly, most of the people there are in favor of his impeachment. And now it goes to the New York Senate. I'm not talking about the U.S. Senate. I'm talking about the Senate in New York. But it takes time to to, uh, process all these allegations, do the investigations before you move forward, because you want to have a solid case uh, before that. But I have a really interesting take on this, Wendy. This is an opinion. But why is the Democratic Party throwing Governor Como, as they say, under the bus? I think that it may not have anything to do with his serial sexual misconduct. 
See, the New York takedown is all about, in my opinion, containing the catastrophic political damage associated with his administration's deliberate policies to carry out that statewide bad decision to put those poor elderly people, take them from the hospital, they had COVID, and put them in nursing homes where they were not prepared to take care of these folks. And many of them, many of them died. And what has happened? I think this is a stopgap measure because there are other governors, particularly Democratic governors, I I have to say it, like Gretchen Whitmer and uh, Tom Wolf uh, of Pennsylvania. And uh, there, there are others where they've done the same thing as far as following this bad policy. Now, whether it was in purpose, they wanted to drive up the COVID death numbers. That's horrible. I can't even imagine that. Or was it negligence? But I think it's to take the focus off of that horrible scenario where he could conceivably be found guilty or blamed for all those deaths. So this is kind of a sideshow, in my opinion. And I may be wrong, but this is real. And sexual harassment does need to be addressed. Well, you know what's interesting about your theory, Larry, is remember there was an enormous amount of talk surrounding the, the deaths at the nursing homes and an enormous amount of pressure, um, again, bipartisan pressure back then as well. That seemed to drop off the radar a bit when it wasn't really being followed up on. But everyone knew behind the scenes that the state attorney general was looking into all of these sexual harassment allegations. And one thing that has united Democrats and Republicans has been this issue, has been sexual harassment, preventing sexual assault, having a social climate change at the workplace. So where it's a it's a never a hostile workplace, but always a collaborative, cooperative uh, kind of place to go to work where boundaries are respected. Now, why is that important? Now, obviously, politically, we've got the the articles of impeachment. And those have been the works, Larry, and, and according to news reports for some time. So everybody sort of knew this was coming. Civil suits are already being filed, okay? But that's a preponderance of the evidence standard in court. There are at least four, reportedly perhaps five, criminal investigations now afoot in different jurisdictions in New York where some of these incidents happened. Now, what distinguishes this case from many others that actually had felony charges associated with it of rape and sexual assault, we have what's called uh, unwanted sexual forceful touching in New York. Um, Those kinds of allegations are in the works because remember, there were groping allegations as well. It wasn't just inappropriate comments or a touch on the stomach. I mean, we had those also. Um, so when if you're looking at patterns make the predator, as many times these investigations end up looking like, because you have a lot of different people that don't know each other making similar types of allegations, you have to believe criminally um, that he may face some trouble there as well. So the question becomes then, I suppose, and I'd love your take on this, it is the are the articles of impeachment um, are, are the those in the legislature, whether it's both on the assembly and then on the Senate, that's going to actually try him. Do they have any incentive to wait and see what happens in either civil or criminal court? Or are they full steam ahead, notwithstanding what others are going to be doing with his conduct? Right now, full steam ahead in what now? Who's going full steam ahead? What did you say? Well, well, that well, that's the question. Are they full steam ahead in drafting and those articles of impeachment and then trying him in the Senate? Is that or is there any incentive to wait to see what other agencies do, whether civil or criminal? Right. I, I think, well, there there's some com, con, conflicting problems here. Uh, for example, uh, currently in the Senate, the majority leader, Andrew Stewart Cousins, would be on that panel to impeach him. But he's the next in line for succession uh, should uh, 
Governor Cuomo be impeached. So that kind of knocks him off. And uh, I, I think that they're going to move forward pretty fast with this. That's my best guess. I think there's an incentive to do so, not only because these uh, poor victims have been waiting so long, but also because of that other scenario. They, they, that's still on the wings as far as that nursing home thing. And I think they want to get this out in the front and perhaps people will forget about the nursing home thing that could go on to hurt governors in other states that follow the same, in my opinion, negligent policies. Yeah, indeed. You've got a couple other things on your docket today, Larry. Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, President Biden was, uh, he basically wanted to, he was lecturing some of the states, the, the states that didn't want to do the lockdowns. And um, one of the two of those states were Florida and Texas. And I, I think that uh, they're pushing back really good. So again, anyhow, he said, uh, you know, he wanted them to go back to the mass requirements and so forth. And he claimed that he was going to be shut down the virus once he was made president. But what has he done? He's imported more viruses from around the world than just about anybody I can think of with his wide open southern border policy. You have hundreds of thousands of people pouring across every month. And it's not just from Mexico. By the way, these illegal trespassers are rarely from Mexico. You have people from over 100 countries now pouring through our southern border. And not only are they letting them through, they're actually, get this, Wendy, they're transporting them to towns and communities all across our country. They're putting them on planes and buses. So every city in the U.S. is now a border town or a potential border town. And here's the thing, too. They, um, they, they, get, they, they observe them medically, but they don't give them the test for the COVID. So they're, without giving them a COVID test, they are literally transporting them ever. So, so who is responsible for any COVID uprising in the statistics in the United States? I think it may just be uh, on the Biden administration for their open border policies. Uh, some people you know what's get, interesting about that? Go ahead. That, that's another bipartisan issue, Larry. That is really because there is nobody that doesn't care about the health and safety of themselves and their family and their loved ones. I mean, and so that is and, and, and you got to imagine the Democrats are in a tough spot because they don't want their family and friends and loved ones infected either. They Obviously, don't. everybody wants humane treatment for yes. people that are crossing the border. But shouldn't they then be subject to the same requirement? as citizens are. How is that being addressed? How is that argument being addressed? I don't think it is being addressed because I think they're trying to change the demographics, Wendy. It's so worrisome. I want a president, I don't care what party, they're a Democrat or Republican, that cares about the people of the United States, no matter what race the people are. We, are, we deserve to be protected. That's the duty of the federal government, and they are not protecting us. Very worrisome. Yeah. And so we need uh, some resolution there. No, I think that's right. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this after the break, but please stick around for the second half. You're going to meet a best-selling author with a brand new book. That's always somebody interesting to have on the show. Uh, This is going to be relevant to the topics we're discussing, America, culture, politics. Stay with us. You don't want to miss a word of what he has to say. This is Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash.
News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Now, we always like to feature the latest and greatest best-selling authors because obviously when somebody is a bestseller, that means they have something worth reading. And we try to feature as many as we can, but we always find another unique angle and perspective and person to be able to feature on our show. And Larry, I am told we have exactly that type of a guest today. Who do we have on the line? Yes, Wendy, we have Brian Rodolfi. He's a chemist, a research scientist, an epigrammist, a biblical exegete, and director of biblical studies for the Rima Bible School in London, England, as well as a best-selling author. He's just come out with a new book titled Chains of Slavery that, although written as a novel, may indicate the future of our country if things do not turn around. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you for having me on. Brian, if all I learned about you is that you are a chemist and a research scientist, I would have been very, very impressed. But I'm also over the top impressed by uh, and intrigued by the fact that you're an epigrammist and a biblical exegete. I would love to have those terms defined for our listeners. They sound really important. I think I know what they mean with my theological background, but I want to make sure I'm right. Yeah, an epigrammist is just somebody who writes maxims. I guess that's a fancy word for uh, somebody that writes, you know, quips and maxims and proverbs and things like that. And a exegete is someone who pulls out of the Bible, who helps people understand the Bible, uh, what's in there, and uh, you know, it, the, you know, the word exit to pull out. So I mean, someone who pulls out from the Bible, or I guess you could say I'm, I'm a Bible teacher. Hey, that's that's great, Brian. That's right. Uh, uh, Brian? You know, Larry defined. Go ahead. Larry defined epigram as a concise poem dealing pointedly and often satirically with a single thought or event ending with an ingenious turn of thought. Is that the vein in which you talk about uh, being an epigrammist? Yeah, I published a book called Useful Maxims, and it has like fifteen hundred. Nice. Uh, uh, maxims and proverbs. So it's that it's, it's exactly as you said. That's what what I do is write short quips. You know something something you can remember. You know instead of a long treatise, it's it's something short that you know you can quote. Hey, hey, that's great. Hey Brian, I actually have an example. I pulled it out on the internet. It's from uh, John F. Kennedy. Does this sound like it would qualify? Mankind must put an end to war, or war will put an end to mankind. Is that kind of like an example? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, now I have a real serious. Nice. I have a serious question, Brian. Uh, in your new book, uh, Chains of Slavery, you use fictional characters to explain, through the power of allegory, why you feel the United States today is in peril of losing its freedoms. Can you tell us what led you to write this book? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's two things I want to accomplish while I'm here on Earth. One is teach the Bible and warn people if there's trouble. So I wrote the book basically as a warning to uh, to people that basically if you stay on the current course we're on, or if we stay on the current course we're on, you know, we're going to end up a socialist dictatorship. And so I, I wrote the book 
so it would be both entertaining and informative. So it's it's even though it's a novel, I, I would say most of the book, eighty percent, is basically a history lesson, and the and the rest, twenty percent, is a uh, is a prediction about the future. So I, I put put a book together that would both help people understand how we got to where we are and where we're headed from here on out. You know, that's great because what really caught my attention when I saw your book. Uh, you talked about, are we heading back to slavery? I've been saying way before I read that advertisement for your book that are we slave wannabes? I mean, we are going in the direction of slavery. So that really resonated with me when I saw that book that you wrote. So, boy, we're lucky to have you on the program today. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't you know, think we're heading um, towards... Oh, excuse me? No, no, go ahead. Oh. And I got another follow-up. Oh, okay. I was just saying, that, yeah... Um, I don't think we're headed towards physical slavery, obviously, like like we had in before 1865. But we're headed towards socialist slavery, which is can be just as bad, you know, and also a mental slavery where we can't say what we want to say and uh, you know speak our minds. That kind of slavery. Well, you know, that kind of slavery is in the Bible when it talks about you know being slaves to sin it has nothing to do with other people. And um, it, it's interesting because I know that you also wrote uh, a book entitled The Ultimate Bible Answer Book. And I know that we are all aware, uh, or at least we should be all aware, that the Bible is an answer book, obviously uh, enlightened oftentimes by the Holy Spirit, even those passages that are tough to read. So I was curious, especially with your background, how were you able to write a book about the ultimate answers in the Bible, given all of the discussion we have? This kind of goes to your research mind as well. What is in that book? Yeah, uh, how that book got started is when I was younger, I, I would just read the Bible and I would uh, write down passages that kind of stood out. And over time, I had a huge notebook full of passages. And I said, you know, I'm not going to be able to find these very easily. So I organized them into categories and subcategories. And it ended up being a pretty useful reference book. And then I pitched it to publishers and it got published and became a bestseller. Well, that's wonderful. Hey, uh, jumping back to the chains of of slavery, that book, uh, what do you see as the key indicators that America is becoming enslaved? For example, could it be said, and you you don't have to agree with this, but could it be said that the rise of groups like BLM and Antifa or the sudden popularity of ideologies such as critical race theory indicate America may be sliding into some form of enslavement and loss of freedom? Yeah, I, I would say the beginning of of our loss of freedom was political correctness. When you could no longer say the truth, you know, like even the truth is offensive. And I think that's I think people are afraid right now to say things that are unpopular, and I think that's where the tyranny begins. And I think it began with political correctness, and now it's getting worse with uh, cancel culture and uh, CRT and you know things like that, where you can't go against the orthodoxy, even even if you're right, even if you can prove you're right. You you get punished for saying, you know, what is what is proved to be right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, when when you think about it that way, um, you know, there's so many books that you can write about, you know, sort of some of the parallels that that we're talking about here. Um, but I also am just kind of on a personal level interested. How in the world do you manage this sort of work life balance when your interests are? so robust yet so diverse. I mean, we've got chemistry, research, theology, uh, and it sounds like you know a lot about social issues as well. I mean, how do you get that all done? 
Uh, just one step at a time. I mean, uh, fortunately, I work from home, so uh, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, you know, I, I don't work in a laboratory anymore. Uh, but yeah, so you just like everything you, you do, one step at a time, one piece at a time. I mean, I've been doing this for I think since I was like fourteen, fifteen. You know, when I started doing uh, biblical exegesis, so it, it it's, doesn't happen overnight. You just you know, you, like a pyramid, you build it one brick at a time, and and over time, it, you have something that looks really good. You know, they had that, uh, going back to the chains of slavery, uh, I guess I'm asking most of the questions on that book, but because it fascinates me, but there's, it might be like a subtitle or in the advertising on the back cover of the book, you talk about a kind of like a circle of slavery. Like we started off with slavery. I mean, the real form of slavery, traditional in the traditional way you think of it. And now we're circling back, making this grand circle into another form of slavery. Is that what you meant by that kind of a circle of slavery? We're being enslaved again? Yeah, because I, I, it's like a chain. It, it, it's a chain of events that cause America to go full circle. Uh, so it's one thing leads to another. So slavery, I mean, you'll, you'll see that in the book. You, you know, it will, it will start with the importation of slaves and it will end at communist slavery. But And then it goes through step by step. You know, this slavery produced one thing and then that thing produced another thing. And, and there's a chain of events that eventually causes everyone to become slaves instead of just the people that were enslaved, you know, before 1865. Right. So everybody will be under it, under this this slavery, not not just one group of people, if we continue to do what we're doing. Exactly. And if I could do like a follow-up on that, um, I kind of see this as a worldwide thing. I don't know if you do, like this great global reset. It's almost like worldwide socialism slash communism, this one world government. That's where I see it headed. How about you? Do you see it going beyond the shores of the United States? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's not an American thing. It's a worldwide thing, as you say. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there is communism has been around for a long time, even before Karl Marx. I mean, you, you can go all the way back to, you know, the Tower of Babel, where people were trying to put themselves under one single religious and political system. So, yes, that that I think is is definitely going on right now where where it's not just an American thing, but there's a, a push to put everybody in the whole world under one single political and uh, economic system. And how do we get out of this, uh, Brian? I'm thinking like a revival, a spiritual revival in America. How do we break out of this, this direction we're going into? Simple. You listen to God. I mean, that's that's the way out of everything. That's the way out of everything. Well, you know, um, if somebody wanted to uh, learn easily where to purchase this latest book, where would they go? What's the easiest way to get a hold of that? Um, you can get it wherever books are sold. I mean, you can get it Amazon, ChristianBooks.com. I mean, I think you can, you know, wherever you, you, you normally buy books, you can find it there. Well, you know, most people go online to buy their books, and sometimes there are, there are links, but I will certainly pass that along. It has been a pleasure having you with us. Thank you for joining us and spending a bit of your uh, Saturday with us. We appreciate it. All right. It's my pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Brian. And thank you to our listeners. Have a wonderful, safe rest of your weekend. The weather is great. I hope you are going to be outside enjoying it. And please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week and God bless you.
Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. 